Welcome to a swift kick in the soul. Uh, I'm Marshall Coates. With me, as always, is Hillel Nori. Hillel Nori is a rabbi and black belt in Taekwondo and general sage and uh, fountain of great knowledge. So we're so happy to be having this discussion. This is our first venture. Yay, very exciting. <laughs> Yay, hello, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Really, really great. Thank you, Marshall. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing All great. All right, I'm excited to have the first one. Really, it's going to be awesome. It is, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so what, what are we, what's our first topic? What are we going to be talking about today? Well, since we're talking about beginnings, and since this is a beginning, um, I thought we would talk a little bit about beginnings and um, pose to you the question about when a race is won. Uh, I like to use analogies to sports to talk about spirituality and to martial arts to talk about spirituality. Uh, I like to use analogies to music and art, creativity when we talk about spiritual practice, Mm. because I think they all kind of blend together. And learning about one can help you learn about the others. Totally agree. So I like to talk about a race, a running race. An actual race. An actual race. Okay. Um, And to think about our spiritual practice as if it were a race. Okay. Which obviously it's not. We're not r- r- racing to get to the end of our spiritual practice, hopefully. But I think the dynamics of the race, the way we run a race, and specifically when the race is actually won, is an important question to ask if you want to think about your spiritual practice and deepen it and make it better and more rewarding. Mm. The... Three possibilities I want to pose to you are the race is won at the beginning, the race is won in the middle, Mm. and the race is won at the end. And I want to kind of make a case for each one. Okay. Um, If you ever watch a a sprint, track and field event where they're sprinting, where it's not like a marathon and you can start slow. (laughs) Right. But the whole race is important. The way runners set up at the beginning of the race is is quite remarkable. They're incredibly specific. They come right up to the line. They don't step back three inches from the line. Those three inches matter. Mm. They put their fingers down right on the line and measure it carefully. They put their feet into the starting block and readjust and readjust again and readjust a third time. Mm. They align their whole body in a specific way. And you can see if you watch them, they're focused. Yeah. How they start matters. And it matters so much that they practice starts over and over and over again. Mm. In practice, you'll make a start and then you'll stop and go back to the starting blocks, set it all up again, Fire the pistol again, make a start, stop and go back to the start so that you have perfected the start Mm. and mastered a certain technique in your beginning. Because it's actually very hard to win a race if you don't start well. Indeed. If you are behind at the very beginning, well, now you've got to catch up. (laughs) Right. If, If you aren't focused at the very beginning... A lot of stuff is going to happen in the middle of the race, and it's going to be hard to gain that focus. That's right. 
So in that quiet moment before you begin, it's important to set everything up right and to begin the momentum of the race positively and with the proper focus. Mm, interesting. And with the intention to win. If you line up at the starting block and you don't intend to win the race, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're not going to win. I'm <laughs> not going to win. Yeah. Right. Now, you, you may have the intention and the focus to win and you might still lose. But if you have a unfocused, non-intentional beginning, it will be very, very hard to win the race. Yeah, I totally agree. I, th I think it's interesting that you said that it's a quiet moment, because I think mm -hmm. that's a very powerful space for intention to be focused. I think a lot of that, a lot of attention, a good intention focusing happens when things are quiet, when right. you're just in that moment. And when th there's no other distractions. Mm. Um. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Uh, let's talk about the middle of the race. Okay. So other than the first couple seconds and the very, very last couple seconds, m most of the race is the middle. Um, in whatever you're doing, whatever enterprise you're engaged in, whatever practice you have, uh, most of it is just during the practice. Mm. It's not the beginning and it's not the end. Mile one is the beginning, mile whatever is the end, but... All the miles in the middle. It's a lot are, of miles. It's a lot of miles. <laughs> and most of the time of any race, long or short, is going to be spent in the middle. So the challenges of the middle are to get enough distance and to pace yourself properly so that you don't really burn out early on mm. and that you don't uh, allow yourself to fall behind early on. Uh, you have to maintain a certain pace throughout the race, or again, it will be very hard to win. Yeah. Um, what happens in the middle of the race is uh, very often one person leads the whole time. They got an early start and a, a lineup happens and everybody maintains their position throughout the race and they maintain the distance from each other throughout the race. And you kind of have to do that. You have to be able to not just have focus when you begin, but you have to be able to maintain focus, maintain, maintain. intention. Yeah. You have to be able to overcome fatigue. Everybody gets tired in the middle of the race. Yeah. Even peak athletes. Everybody can get distracted. There's a thousand things that might take your intention away from your, your footsteps. Your right. technique, how you're running, where the other people are, your position in the pack. Mm. Yeah, in that in the long middle stretch, you're, you're quite vulnerable. R right to you know, injury, to, yeah, to fatigue, you're really on the open, to being overtaken, and of course that is where all of the race happens. Mm. Um, you might have a great start. Let's say you had the best start, <laughs> and then you kind of flag during the middle probably not going to be successful, not going to have the race that you want to run. Yeah. Um, the middle is when you start to have doubt about yourself. Mm, there we go. Yeah. That's a real, that's, that's a, a real thing. Yeah. It really is. And because you start to believe yourself, most people believe themselves <laughs> right? and they believe the story they tell about themselves. So that ability to maintain 
to keep going, to drive and push through fatigue, distraction, doubt, Mm. uncertainty, injury. All of that happens in the middle of the race. Most of your calories are spent in the middle of the race. So being able to have a steady pace and to maintain it throughout all of the distractions is crucial. Yeah. That, that, seem, that seems like you can do a lot to practice your ritual in the beginning. It's a very, it's an uncomplicated practice. It's very specific. Right. But to practice that imperviousness to vulnerability. Yeah. Well, every start is the same. Mm, right. Right. Every time you walk in, it's the same. What's different every time is what happens after that. Oh, every man. race is different. There's a reason we run races all the time mm. and why they're interesting to watch. If they were identical every time, no one would ever run and no one would ever watch. True. So it's what happens in the middle that makes it interesting. Right. That is where all the difference comes into play. You're right. Beginnings are easy in a sense because they're all the same. Yeah. But the variety and the things that happen on the way, the unpredictable. Yeah always happens in the middle. So now, of course, the the most obvious answer to the question of when the race is won is, well, it's won at the end. Mm. Uh, You could be the team that had the highest score throughout the whole game, but if the other team has the higher score at the end of the game, they win. Yeah, It doesn't matter that you were ahead the entire game. (laughs) You could have scored the first basket and stayed ahead the whole game, but if they win and have the higher score at the end they win true that the end there's a reason we don't stop the race right after the beginning and say well the person with the best beginning wins the race Mm. because of all that stuff that happens in the middle you have to actually run the full race yeah um there's a reason that we don't say halfway through okay you win, you're in the lead halfway through, so you win because you're going to win. You won the middle, so you win. Yeah. No, we, we allow the race to run to the end. And the reason is everyone has seen images and videos like this where somebody is clearly in the lead. They're obviously going to win. And then out of nowhere, someone else comes and at the last minute passes them and wins. Right. It's... Incredibly exciting. We, exciting. We, we, we want to see that. We yeah, want we, we want the drama. We want the drama. And you can see two different things happen. One is the person in the lead gets cocky. Yeah. They're like, oh, I got a lead. I've got a, a big lead. Sure. I'm up by 20 points. Why not, why not relax a little bit? That's right. Why not relax? And sometimes you even see them, they put their hands up and they're running like, <laughs> yeah, victory. And they sort of, it, they slow down enough that it's now, they, they're almost like the race is over. They forgot that the race isn't over. Right. In their mind. It's- and in their mind, it's over and they allow it to, to be over. In the meantime, number two or number three did not give up. They are in the middle and they're running hard yeah. and they can see what you've done. So sometimes the person in the lead gives too much. But other times they're running hard, but someone in second or third, or maybe even in the back of the pack, digs deep. 
has been pacing themselves intentionally so that they can run hardest at the end. And they put in that extra energy and no matter what the person in the lead does, they will be overtaken and and someone else will win the race. Mm. It isn't over till it's over. Yeah. And the whole experience is the race. The entire thing, beginning, middle, and end, comprise the race. And uh, you, you, you cannot pretend like one of them isn't there. Right, definitely. And I think there's certain personality types this, that mm. um, have a better time preparing for the start. I think some people have a harder time with the follow-through, with the very end. It's sort of like different for every person where their strengths and weaknesses lie. Yeah, um, I never understood this as a kid, but um, why baseball teams have pitchers who are starters and pitchers who are closers. There you go. But now, you know, I think I get it now. Um, Some pitchers, as good as they are, don't make good closers. Hmm. They're there to start the game and to play as long as they can into the middle of the game. It's very unusual for a pitcher to pitch the entire game. And most of them don't have a lot of ego in it. Like, I got to pitch the whole game. They know that other people are, will be better suited to be closers. And there's some people who never start. They're never the starting right. pitcher. They're always the closer. Because as you said, we're not identical. We have n- natural talents and natural character and natural abilities uh, uh, that make us better suited for beginnings, middles, or ends, depending. And I think what you said uh, is interesting about a pitcher knowing knowing that he's not going to close, not having an ego about it. I think that's a very powerful tool uh, for success is really knowing yourself. Right. You know, getting deep about what, what you're good at and what you're not and not not making a fuss about it, you know? I'd I'd be so angry. You you know, that you see the manager start to walk out. (laughs) <laughs> right, you're out of here. <laughs> that moment where you, kn- but they know, <laughs> they know themselves well enough that mm. they know they're not performing as they should. Yeah, and more often than not, they don't argue. They don't even look angry about they don't it. Look even they don't look beaten about it. No, yeah. they understand. They understand their limits. They understand what they're good at and what they're not good at. Maybe they wanted to play one more inning. <laughs> right, right, run another hundred yards, mm. but, but they walk off the field and allow the other person to come in. It, it, it's the team effort, right? By the way, the same is true in uh, relay races. Mm. Um, the, the four people, you know, who pass off the baton, the, baton yeah. the starter is always the starter in that team. Really? The finisher is always mm. the finisher because some people are better at one, some people are better at the other. Some people are better at the pass off and some people are not. Mm. So when you're a team working together in that way, you have to know where your strengths lie and and what your limits are. Yeah. Now, um uh, uh y- y- you know me, I'm I'm really not talking about a running race. Right, right. We're talking about um, something deeper. Right. Right? I, I'm not a runner, and I, I really don't like <laughs> yeah, full running. Full disclosure, no, neither really, of us are runners. <laughs> none of us are runners, <laughs> and I don't even like running. Um, but I appreciate it. I really do. I, 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 it, marathon runners, they're remarkable. I, I'm, I'm very impressed. But um, I'm not a runner. I don't, I don't like running. Mm. Um, so, so what are we talking about here? So what we're really talking about is our spiritual practice. Right. 
it's a swift kick in the soul. <laughs> it is a swift kick in the yeah. soul. And uh, so the question then is really not when is the race won, but when do we reap the reward of spiritual practice? Mm. And more than that, even, it's, it, it, it's a question about how to approach any given spiritual practice. My experience is in traditional Jewish synagogue prayer and that kind of practice. So I'm going to use that as the analogy. Sure. But you could do it with almost anything, with um, meditation, with other religious traditions, with recitations, with um, uh, uh, physical spiritualities and yoga practice, almost anything. Right. Whatever your practice, um, I want you to think about these kinds of things. Hmm. Uh, Think about how you start. As I said, if you have a lousy attitude when you walk into synagogue, it's very unlikely that you will have a positive prayer experience. Right. If you come in already tired and complaining about what happened that morning, it's very unlikely that you will be able to grow in any way and have any self-discovery whatsoever. Mm. How you come into the room How you begin is vital. In Jewish practice, there's a whole series of rituals in daily prayer where you don the prayer garb, and it's done very thoughtfully. Um, And when you see people who come in and they kind of do it mindlessly and they just go about putting on their talit and putting it, I think you are missing the huge opportunity here. Hmm. You're not going to win the race today. I can tell right away. Because, well, you sat down and you started reading the newspaper. Yeah. I had people do that, by the way. They'd come into synagogue, they'd be there on time, they'd come in, and then they'd sit down and they'd do the crossword puzzle. (laughs) Now, maybe they're enjoying the crossword puzzle, but they're certainly not growing spiritually. Certainly not. Uh, How you begin your spiritual practice is, is vital. And let's even go back before they line up at the starting block. All of the previous training, all of the attitude which you have developed over the course of your life as a runner, Mm. meaning a spiritual practitioner, all of your experience that has come, you bring all of that. That's all part of the beginning. When we walk onto the mat in Taekwondo, you bow every time, Mm. every time. It sets the tone. Sets the tone, that's right. It establishes purpose for which you are there. It concentrates your focus. And and we need those rituals. We need those small things, the fingers on the starting line. Huh. It, it makes a difference, not because that extra quarter of an inch is right. going to win the make race. A physical difference. Right. It's an attitude. It sets the tone. Hmm. It's the plan. If I'm doing this, what I'm doing is important, important enough to focus on the small details. Mm, right. Especially at the beginning. Especially at the beginning, and I, you know, I can't, I can't help but feel that. Um, I don't know if this is just me being jaded, but I feel like our society is increasingly bad at incorporating those rituals into the different areas of our lives. Uh, y- yes, I agree. We're generally dismissive of rituals. Yeah, we. I don't need that. Yeah, I'm I don't gonna, need to do that. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go in and do it. Right. Yeah. I'm um, just going to go from this thing to the other thing, just quick as I can. Yeah, I think it's even seen as almost as a sign of weakness. Like, oh, you need that ritual, but I don't. Um, 
Every master bows when they come on the mat. Mm. Every one. They're the masters. Mm. They're, they're not newcomers. <laughs> they're very accomplished martial artists. So why do they have to bow? Because they're no different than you and me underneath it all. Underneath all the training, they are still essentially human. Yeah. And we do need rituals. Um, so the attitude with which you come in, the way you begin your prayer practice, your yoga practice, your meditation practice, your art practice, mm -hmm. how you sit down at the canvas to make sketches, is it matters how you begin. And if you have a lousy beginning, it's practically impossible to have a successful experience. <laughs> Maybe you'll get lucky. <laughs> right. Maybe the stars will align in That's your favor. That's right. Yeah. And everybody else will trip. <laughs> but barring that, I'm going to tell you, you won't succeed. Yeah. Start positively. You have to start positively. Mm. When you come into the church, when you go onto the mat, you have to begin positively. And with the confidence that you will succeed, that you'll win the race. Yeah, right. Um, now, just like a race, it's really not enough, though, in your spiritual practice to have a good beginning. Right. Because again, the first page of the prayer book is just the first page of the prayer book. Yeah. And then there's lots of pages after that. Lots of lots to it's go. A, the hymnal is thick. <laughs> right. So when you when you are in some kind of prayer practice, you will get fatigued. You will be distracted. It's a well-known phenomenon in meditation that distracting thoughts come into your meditation practice. It's almost impossible not to. Right. Uh, we don't really have control over thoughts and distractions. They happen. Yeah. And actually, the more accomplished a meditator you are, the more intense the distracting thoughts become. Interesting. Um, uh, very sort of high-level meditators uh, almost universally report that um, they get sometimes very disturbing distracting thoughts. Sometimes violent or erotic thoughts, or it's not just like, "Hey, there's Joe," right? Right. So you because you've engaged a higher level of understanding, and so your brain, your mind, your spirit, your body are operating on that higher vibration, and so the distractions will be more intense. Yeah, definitely. The fatigue becomes higher. Marathoners talk about hitting a wall. They all hit walls. They all do it, no matter how accomplished a runner you are. Mm. Because, well, we're physical. I mean, you have limitations. Yeah. So uh, it's important not to resist the distractions and to understand them, but to also not give them a lot of room. Mm. The analogy I like to use for the middle of the race is it's like a rock in the middle of the stream. The water does not suddenly encounter the rock as it's flowing down the stream and stop where the rock is. Right. Nor does it really try to displace or dislodge the rock or become too obsessed or concerned about the rock. It just encounters it. And moves on. And flows around it to move through the rest of the practice. Mm. Um, so too with our spiritual practice. You, you, you'll probably get to the middle of the synagogue service and 
be distracted. Yeah. Or be tired. Or any service. Or any service. <laughs> or just lose interest. Yeah. Or, I don't know, have to go to the bathroom. Something happens in the middle. So in order to succeed, though, you have to be able to encounter that, accept it, mm -hmm. and not offer up too much resistance. Right, not fool with it too much. Allow it to flow through and around you so that you can come back to your focus, get back into the recitation, get back into the stretch, get back into the specifics of what you're doing in your practice. Mm. Because most of the time that you spend practicing is going to be doing that stuff. The work of life is not always glamorous. Absolutely. The work of becoming an accomplished spiritual person and knowing yourself more deeply this isn't all glorious beginnings and endings. It's not all running through the tape at the end of the race. Yeah. Most of it is uninteresting in that regard. Indeed. Yeah. And you have to bring your own energy to it. It comes from within. You have to be able to get bored, refocus, and, and become engaged again. Mm. Or you, you won't make it. Yeah. By the end of the practice or the service or the sketch or the workout, you will not have derived what you intended to get out of it. Um, in some ways, I think it's the hardest part of any practice. Because it's easy to be excited about a beginning. Yep. Uh, we all like new. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to get pumped up as you see the the finish line coming and as you're, oh, I'm approaching the last prayer. That's good. Oh, Let's oh, start yes. to focus. <laughs> Woo! <Exactly>. Um, <laughs> uh, but all the stuff in the middle is really where the work happens. It's yeah. really where we rise and fall. It's really where most of our time is spent. Yeah. And so even just on that measure, it's it's where you will be for most of the practice. Mm. So you, you have to enjoy it in that way. You have to be in it and in the flow of it. Yeah. Um, setting the tone is not enough. You have to maintain and be able to come back to again, even after um, uh, your energy uh, wanes a little bit, as it inevitably will. Right. Um, uh, I think for a lot of people... Some of the distractions are social. Uh, there's other people in church, and you haven't seen them since last week. Mm. So it's natural to want to say hello and get into a conversation about them and their life and their family. Right. Uh, we have to resist that. Uh, the, uh, my tradition ha has any number of teachings about how you should limit your conversations during prayer. When someone comes up and says hello, now you don't be rude and not respond to them. Right. But say a return of the hello and move on. It's kind of like how you, you were talking about the distractions that come into the mind when meditating. It's like you don't, you don't need to meet them with force. You don't want it to take you out of your focus. But you can't just say, get out of my face. And also you can't abandon your focus to go, oh, great, how are you? It's nice to see you again, you know? That's correct. That's, that's essentially not running in, on the track. That's right. getting off getting track, off. getting off track, <laughs> getting literally. Off. Having a little bite to eat. <laughs> right. right. 
Um, yeah, nobody stops uh, in the middle of the race <laughs> for <laughs> right. a bite to eat. Just chill out for a little bit in the park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I, I do think, um, but the same is true in taekwondo practice, really. Um, there's no chit-chatting in yeah. taekwondo. These are my friends. I'm glad to see them. But when we're in there working and kicking and, and sweating, it's not the time to catch up. Right. That's after class. Yeah. That's after the service. That's when I'm done with the race. That's when I'm able to set all of the other intentions aside and return to a social life, hmm. which we all need also. I mean, that's, that's part of life too. Sure. Uh, I'm not advocating a monastic life where we never <laughs> engage in that kind of thing. I don't think that's that's not a Jewish approach. It's not my approach, and I, I don't really think it's a healthy approach. Yeah, I don't feel like it's a natural state of being for no for a human being. That's correct. Yeah. We we are social. We yeah. need each other. Um, now, uh, let's talk about the end. Okay. Um, uh, one of the finally, I've been waiting all. Yeah, all that's right. It's almost <laughs> it's almost the end. All right, now let's really get down to it. So, um, one of the uh, uh, I, I wish I could find who said it. Um, but I heard a quote from a college uh, track coach. Uh, she coached uh, women's track and was very successful. And so when you're a successful coach, everybody always asks, you know, what's your secret? How do you do it? Mm, yeah. You don't necessarily have the, the better athletes. Athletes, you know, compete at a competitive level. So one is not really a better team than right. the other. And yet, there are teams that are better. Hmm. So um, uh, it's a natural question, right? Sure. How come your team wins more? Right. And her answer was simple. She had a very simple philosophy. And uh, this is it. We run fastest at the end. Hmm. It almost doesn't matter whether you had a good beginning. Because sometimes you will. And sometimes you won't. It almost doesn't matter whether you're distracted or whether the middle is in and out, in and out. Interesting. We run hardest at the end. When you know that the end of a practice is coming, you could say, Phew. I'm exhausted. I, let me just hang in there, yeah, throw right. a couple of lousy kicks, you know, right. and um, mumble through the end of the prayer service and, and uh, done, I done what I done. Yep. That's not the way. You know, a, a student of yours <laughs> who I work out with every Monday is always telling me, all right, it's the end. Now give it, you know, don't, don't cut out now. You, this is the time where you're growing. This is the time to really lock it in. Right. Those last kicks are where you grow in your strength most. Yeah. The first 20 sit-ups are easy. <laughs> it's the last 20 and yeah. really the last three. You get to the last few and you're like, ah, eh, what difference does it make? Right. Three more push-ups, three I more. <laughs> it makes a difference. It does to power through those and to actually try to do it stronger, to, to have stronger. those be the best, yeah. most strongest kicks that you can throw. Mm. Um. Those are the people who become masters. Mm. A anybody can throw a few kicks and, and go home. If you want to really break through, if you want to really discover your capacity, 
know who you are and what you are capable of. Well, you have to run fastest at the end. You have to give everything. Dig deep. Mm. When you are most pressed and most fatigued and most distracted and when you most want to give you up and go saying, home. Just give up. Yeah. Right. No. Those last moments are where the race is won. If you start to flag, somebody is going to come from behind and overtake you. Now, again, our spiritual life is not a competition. That's not what I mean to say. Of course. But some part of you will overtake your better part. Mm. Um, that, 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 that part that says, I want to succeed. Um, and if you don't work hard at the end of the practice... Uh, you are you're not maximizing the potential of that practice. Yeah, um, I used to advise people in synagogue. There's uh, everybody wants to get to the the food at the end. <laughs> you know, there's there's bagels yeah. and cookies, and you know everybody wants to get to that sure. and socialize with each other. Uh, so they start to take their prayer shawl off, and they start to you know close the book up and put it away as we're singing the last couple of psalms or hymns. Mm. Uh, I always counsel people, don't do that. Um, not only is it n not nice to the people around you kind right. of thing, and it creates a vibe of uh, everybody's rushing to get out of here. Yeah. But um, if there's still prayers left, then there's still prayers left. If mm. there's still time left in the race, then there's still room to run harder. If you start, w w why not Take it off at the beginning, then. I mean, if you're gonna right. if you're gonna shortchange yourself, why not go all the way back to page all ten and back. say, "Well, I made ten pages, so that's enough. I'll just kick out here." Um, where's the line that you're gonna draw if yeah. it's not the finish line? I mean, there's a reason we have deadlines and finish lines and ends of classes and the final page of the of the uh, uh, of the hymnal, mm. so that so that you don't allow yourself to flag and to become. Uh, distracted and fatigued, and to not care about how you finish. Yeah. How you end anything is vital to how you will practice it the next time. Right. If you want your next beginning to be the kind of beginning that we talked about, well, then your end in the previous one right. has to be of the same caliber and the same quality. Interesting, because that's exactly where you're going to pick up from next time. That's right. You maybe even you set the tone for the beginning at of the one race at the end of the other race, right? Um, and bring the lessons and the uh, uh, and the growth from that into your next experience, hmm. um, even to the point of make it part of your ritual of your practice, just as you have rituals for the beginning and how you set the tone right. and orient your mind and your attitude, have rituals and practices for the end of your practice mm -hmm. that, that make you dig deep, that make you leave nothing behind, that, uh, that really establish a practice, a habit of how you will end every encounter, every creative venture, 
every spiritual practice, every athletic event. I mean, imagine if you played a piece of music and then you get to the finale, the last few bars, and you're just like, well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah. Nobody, nobody does, does that. that. Nobody does it because they understand that the crescendo, mm. that the way in which you end the piece, the last brushstroke is maybe the most important brushstroke. So uh, when is the race won? Right? Yeah. Let's go back to our question. Indeed. When is the race won? It's not the beginning, the middle, or the end. That's a that was a setup. Okay. The race is one in all of it. It's a holistic experience. Uh, creativity, athleticism, spirituality, m- musicianship. Uh, uh, they are holistic experiences. They require beginnings, middles, and ends. Mm. They're not an experience that can be divided up into those neat little packages. And all of it, the entire time in which you're engaged in these activities, is is how you will practice them, is how you will experience them. If you only have a good beginning, if you only have a good middle, if you only have a good end, you aren't actually having a good practice. Mm -hmm. If the first brushstroke is great, but all the rest are lousy, it's not a good painting. If the first note is good, but all the rest are out of tune, it's a horrible piece of music. Mm. If you only throw one good kick in the middle of class, <laughs> it's, it's not your best. Yeah. Uh, a spiritual practice is a holistic practice. From the moment you approach and walk into the space, through all of the flow of the stream, and even up to the very last page and when you cross the finish line of that particular practice. Mm. It's all a part of it. It's all a part of it. I love that. Thanks. And if you want a great practice, then then you have to be concerned about all three of them. You have to be concerned about how you begin, about how you maintain your practice throughout, and about how you end. Now... The real thing I'm talking about isn't even about spiritual practice. It, it's really about your adult life. Mm. Uh, how you act and the kinds of values that you breed in yourself as a young person. That's going to stick with you a long time. Mm. Uh, who you are as a young person sets the stage and creates a tone for how you will be. Uh, but we don't stop when we're young. Yeah. And anybody who's not young knows that you change and things that you encounter along the way, it's, well, there's life. There's distractions. There's fatigue. There's injury. There's yeah. setbacks. Most of life is the middle of life. Right. And it involves a lot of just plodding through and getting through it. And then, of course, how you end your life is is essential. Um, the there's a there's better ways to end than others. Now mm. we don't always get a choice of how we end, but we, we do get a choice about how we maintain and how and our attitude as we grow older and approach the end of life. Mm. The masters of life, P. 
people who have truly mastered the art of living, know that who you are as a young person matters and how you live the bulk of your life matters and how you approach mortality and the end of life matters yeah. so that you run most true to yeah. your values at the end of life without giving them up or sacrificing them along the way. Yeah, and as we talk about that, I, I realize that um, I can't recall many times when people have talked about the importance of the end of your life, of the end of the race. I feel like that's something that's way more seldom discussed than talking about the beginning or the middle of your life. I think we don't access that very often. No, we don't. It's because we fear death. Mm, interesting. We, yes, have a, we, do. we have a very fearful attitude towards the end of life. Mm. And that's a discussion for another day, maybe. <laughs> okay. But I think it's, I think it's misplaced. Um, yeah, I would agree. Uh, we, can, we can fear the hardships that come often at the end of life. But we have nothing to fear from the end of the race. It's the natural end of life. Yeah. And, um, and holy men of all traditions and artists of every culture are the place to look if you want lessons about a good ending to your life. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks. Thanks. Well, speaking of a good end, I think this is a great I place to wrap it right. up. I do too. <laughs> Excellent. This has been so much fun. Thank you for being here. Um, I so look forward to the next time we get together. Me too. Um, so we need to come up with a good sign-off, which we don't even have to do right now. Right, okay. Um, but it should be something like, this has been a swift kick in the soul with Hillel Nori and Marshall Coates. We're glad that you could join us. We'll see you next time. Yeah.